The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network and our fine family, growing family of broadcast affiliates across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, 21 Asian countries, and across Europe. If you'd like to give us a call, toll-free, 1-877-528-8255. That's one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. You can always send an email to xzone at talkstarradio.com on MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com, and our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and www.xzonetv.com. An intriguing ad ran in the Employment Wanted section of a Toronto newspaper in February, the 20, uh, in February of 2001. This is what the ad said. Former marijuana smuggler. Having successfully completed a 10-year sentence, indictment-free, for importing 75 tons of marijuana into the United States, I am now seeking a legal and legitimate means to support myself and my family. Business experience. Owned and operated a successful fishing business, multi-vessel, one airplane, one island and processing facility, simultaneously owned and operated a fleet of tractor-trailer trucks conducting business in the western United States. During this time, I also participated in the executive executive level management of 120 people worldwide in a successful pot smuggling venue and revenue in excess of $100 million U.S. annually. Now, among the advertiser's references was the U.S. District Attorney who was responsible for his arrest in 1990 and who had reminded the trial judge that the offense could carry the death penalty. The ad made news around the world and also captured the resilient spirit of Brian O'Day, a remarkable man who, even in his darkest hours of addiction and criminality, never lost the love of family and friends. The O'Day family is well known in government and legal circles in Newfoundland, but the family's uh, prominence could not protect their middle son for sexual abuse at the hands of priests. Brian became the black sheep and turned to drugs in his late teens for money, for the excitement, and for the escape from himself. Twenty-five years later, when the cops finally knocked on the door at the end of a massive DEA investigation, he had given up the trade and was a recovered cocaine addict working as a drug addiction counselor in Santa Barbara, California. He finally began to understand how he had uh, ended up in the drug world. He was tired, he was tried, and sentenced to 10 years to be served at Terminal Island Federal Prison in Los Angeles Harbor. When I come back from this two-minute commercial break, 
Ryan O'Day is my special guest here. We're going to be talking about his book that is that is just sweeping the nation, entitled Hi. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon, live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to give us a call and um, speak with Brian, one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. Now that is toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. In two minutes, I return with Brian O'Day here on the Exxon, live from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.x. ZBN.net. From the pages of the Chicago Tribune to TV on Oprah and this coming week on CNN, Brian O'Day is making the circuit. His book entitled High is destined to be one of the greatest success stories in the, um, in the world of literature, I believe, in the year 2009 and I'm sure beyond. It's a story of Success, it's a story of torture, it's a story of abuse, it's a story of of imprisonment, it's a story of business. It's a story that only one man can really tell, and that's my guest this hour, Brian O'Day. Brian, always great talking to you. Thank you very much for joining us, and congratulations on on your book and the wonderful work that you're doing. Thanks, Rob. It's, uh, it's great to be with you, and it's great to talk with you once again. Tell me, Brian, um, in the prologue to your book, you tell a story about your first day at Catholic boys' school. How do you think that this event affected you as a little boy? Well, it affected me as a little boy, and it affected me as a middle boy. It affected me as a young man and as an adult. And it's, it's impacted the entire uh, direction and thrust of my life. And, and this is how that works. 
when when I was eleven, I was abused by um, the uh, a, a Christian brother at, at my school, and that went on for a couple of years. And I, I was I was raised a Catholic, mm-hmm. and so as a Catholic, we were taught that to entertain a thought of sex beyond its coming and going, to linger on it for even a moment was a mortal sin, published punishable by eternity in hell. And so after that uh, incident, I came out of that uh, brother's office begging God not to kill me, because, you see, I knew then that God was going to kill me and put me in hell forever. Oh, my gosh. And so this 11-year-old boy began a negotiation with this frightening God for years in the hope that he wouldn't be swept up and put to hell. And so, you know, I, I, I tell kids when I speak to kids in school, which I do so often on the consequences of choice, that the worst thing that happened that day was actually not what happened, but what did not happen. And what did not happen is this. I told nobody about it. And so it became a secret. And, you know, I, I, I've been to a lot of meetings where I'm told that I'm as sick as the secrets I keep. Well, I became pretty sick very young. And I carried that sickness with me through much of my life. And secrets are, are, secrets are islands. They, they isolate one. And in order to stay isolated, one has to build lies around those secrets to keep them intact. Those lies act as walls that keep one imprisoned in the lie. And so consequently, one becomes a people pleaser and a chameleon and, and becomes what one thinks you want me to be is what I became. And so <clears throat> in that God-negotiating mind, it was a horrible place to be. And for a person like that, when, when that person discovers there are things that can actually alter one's consciousness, take one out of that mind, then one be, one's very ripe for that, and I was very ripe for that. And I became a, a drug addict and an alcoholic simply because the moment I existed in was not the right moment. I was always looking for another moment. Drugs and alcohol provide that. And when I say drugs and alcohol, I'm, I'm including tobacco in that as well. Um, and if people don't think that tobacco has anything to do with feeling, then stop smoking for a minute if you smoke and t- tell me how you feel when you want one. It's a mind-altering substance and it's a consciousness-altering substance. It's a horrible substance as well. Brian, um, you know, you describe in your book that how the DEA came to your house and ultimately, you were sent to Terminal Island. Uh, when you were in Terminal Island after after your trial and the arrest with the DEA, how did you feel about that little eleven year old boy? Well, I, you know, it was it was just before a couple of years before I, I ended up in Terminal Island that I actually got to um, reacquaint myself with that eleven year old boy. I got sober. Uh, I had a heart attack on the eve of my 40th birthday, August 31st, 1988, from a coke overdose. My first sober day was my 40th birthday, and I'm, I'm delighted to say that I have not needed to do coke since that day. And Good for you, pal. Uh, thank you. So, but I, I must thank everybody else who's participated in my sobriety. Um, but that, so I, I in in getting sober, I I 
did a tracking of my life. I looked back to see where I came from and, and how did I end up where I was. Mm-hmm. And it, the track led right to there. It led to that moment, to that time, to that incident. And while I don't blame the individual because that individual was sick in his own way, um, I, that incident was the delineating factor that put me on a tangent off my track. And so it took me quite a while. You know, it took uh, 29 years for me to, to get to be reacquainted with that boy. And so by the time I got to go to Terminal Island, I'd done quite a bit of self-work. And so I got there, I was only frightened of what I had seen on television about American prisons. I, I was as frightened as you or anybody who knew nothing about prisons other than watching movies like American Me or some such movie. And so I, I, everything that I, I imagined was there, was actually there, and, and even more frightening when I saw it for real. But and Mark Twain said 99% of the battles I fought never took place. Well, that's what happened with me. I was fighting all these battles in my mind, all these imaginary battles with all these vicious, evil characters that I was surrounded by, uh, you know, thinking for many minutes that I wasn't one of them. But, of course, I was one of them. I was there, and there were others there just like me. Anyway, it, it, um, what I realized is if I would write down everything that was racing through my mind, if I could write down everything I heard and saw happening around me, I could put some shape on these ghosts that were haunting me and frightening me. And it, once you put shape on the ghost, it's not quite as frightening as the formless ghost. And so that's what I did, and I started writing. And it was I, I didn't write intending to write high confessions of an international drug smuggler. I wrote to save my life. And I wrote to share with my friends on the outside who supported me what was going on inside there. And uh, ultimately what happened, Rob, was in, in the writing of that, I, I um, decided to track my life and to lay out in a chronological order stories from my life that I thought resulted in my having that prison as my address. And so I started to write these stories in between my journal, my prison diary entries, and uh, it uh, eventually became what you have there, that that book that uh, is being published on the 5th of May by Other Press in New York and will be available in all the bookstores in the United States. So, you know, there's a shameless plug. It's nothing shameless, friend. Nothing shameless there at all. Tell me, Brian... uh, what inspired you to put that ad in the Toronto newspaper that I that I read to the Exxon Nation when we started this segment? A good kick in the ass, excuse me. My wife, <clears throat> one day, we'd been struggling in, in, in that uh, 2001, and uh, I what little money I had had lost in various deals on the market and the stock market. And mm-hmm. One day my wife said to me, Brian, you have got to get a job. And I said, Susanna, who is going to hire me? And uh, I have no experience in the real world. My, all my adult experience was in the dope world, it's in the pot smuggling business primarily. And she said, do you mean to tell me that you managed to pull off importing 75 tons of pot from Southeast Asia with a group of other guys, not get caught while the DEA was watching what you were doing, and still pull it off, 
and you don't have any transferable skills, I don't believe it for a minute. Why don't you sit down and write out what you think you're able to bring to anything that you would want to do? So I said, okay. So I sat down and wrote what basically became that ad. And as I looked at it, I said to Susanna, yeah, I'm going to rush right over to Bear Stearns and get a job as a broker with them with this resume. (laughs) We had a chuckle about that. But it occurred to me right then and there, in an instant, to put it in the newspaper and put it in as a help-wanted thing. So I thought it was a great idea, so I phoned uh, a national newspaper in Canada called The Globe and Mail, Mm -hmm. And I said, I have an ad. I'd like to run it on page three. Uh, oh, I think my, that phone is going to die. Excuse me. Sure. Um, I'd like to run it on page three. And um, I'm wondering if uh, you would do it for me. It's going to be two inches deep by five inches across. And they said, sure. Uh, so I alerted them to the content of the ad. Well, when I told them what was going to be in the ad, they said, oh, well, <clears throat> we'll, uh, <clears throat> I'll, we'll, <clears throat> we'll call you back. So a couple of hours later, they called me back and said, we're sorry, but we won't be able to run that. And I said, why? They said, well, it's, you know, we're concerned about the content and uh, so on and so forth. And I said, fine. So I called another national newspaper in Canada, the National Post. And I... Uh, didn't tell them about the content of the ad. I said, I want to run an ad on page three, and uh, can I fax you in the copy? And they said, sure, that'll be $1,300. And I said, okay, um, send me back the blue line, and I'll, I'll uh, send you a check. So about, I, I sent the ad in, and uh, about an hour later, I get a phone call from the National Post. And they say, um, that's an interesting ad, uh, which we would be glad to run. Um, but we suggest that you run it in the classified section. Brian, stand by. We've got to take the news at the bottom of the hour. Brian O'Day is our very special guest, www.brianoday.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break. And the news as the Exxon continues live and around the world right here on Talkstar. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213 213- 
401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.x. ZBN.net. Brian O'Day is our very special guest this hour, Exonation, www.brianoday.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-D-E-A.com. And he is the author of Hi, Confessions of a Pot Smuggler. Now, before we went to the commercial break, Brian, with the news, we were talking about how you submitted that ad to the Globe and Mail, and they basically said, uh, they, well, they got cold feet. But you submitted it to the National Post, and the Post suggested that you put the ad in the classifieds instead of the page three. Right. They said for the same money, $1,300, mm-hmm. I'd get it for a full week in the classified. And I said, yeah, but, you know, page three is the, is the page in the paper that you open. You look at the paper, you open the front page, and the first thing you see is the middle of page three, and mm-hmm. that's where I wanted it. And they said, Brian, wherever you run that ad, it's going to get read. Do not think about that for one second. Believe me, this ad's going to get a lot of attention. And so I agreed after uh, having a chat with them. And and, uh, then about an hour later, I get a call from a reporter at the paper wanting to do a story on me, which ran on the front page of the National Post across the country on the Monday that the ad started to run. And I was on the front page of that paper for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And that ad created a stir. It, it, you know, And this was before things floated around the world really quickly on the Internet like they do today. Mm-hmm. And yet it did still. And I got 600 responses to that ad. Wow. From all over the world, I got offers to smuggle organs out of the Caribbean to the United States. I got offers to smuggle dope. I got, uh, you know, probably 30 or 40 uh, law enforcement agencies wanting me to come work for them. And on and on. And through it all, I um, was a guest on a late-night talk show on television. I met a guy, and through that guy, I met another guy. And, and, uh, you know, within a matter of a couple of months, I was producing a television show called Creepy Canada which yeah. is now all around the world as a show called Creepy. Yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah, I yeah. guess you have. <laughs> you were a big part of it, as a matter of fact, if I may say so. Oh, thanks, buddy. Uh, so when did you decide to write the book? And, and you know, here you are. It's the year 2009. 
this book is is going to be released in May again. You've been on Oprah. You've you've done. Uh, I gosh, you know, I started doing research on the uh, on your book earlier tonight, and I found Chicago. I found it, it's all over the place. You're causing quite a stir. It is. I haven't been on Oprah yet, but we're working on that. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, you know, from your mouth to God's ear. Yeah. Right. Um, um, it, it is. It's uh, we're my American publishers are doing an exceptionally incredible job in getting the word out there. My uh, publisher, Other Press, and um, the woman who owns it, Judith Gravich, she has put so much behind me, Rob. I'm I'm honored and I'm challenged, and um, she's got uh, two. Uh, independent freelance publicists and marketers working on it and an in-house publicist uh, the ceo of the company ellen banuk is working on it it just seems like full time i wonder gosh do they have other other books they're publishing because they're sure paying a huge amount of attention to me and through that attention i've been getting uh, incredible response and I, I just got word uh, today actually that um the Random House, who distributes other presses' titles, mm-hmm. has put me in a catalog that they send to freshmen at all the universities in the country as a recommended read for this year. So we're expecting to get a wonderful response from that. And, um, you know, it's uh, I've got an, uh, an editorial running in the Los Angeles Times next week. Uh, in the New York Post, before the 5th of May, I'll have an editorial in there as well. Um, and it just keeps coming. Um, entertainment tonight looks like they're interested. It's, uh, Tell me, yeah. Brian, did you ever think it would take off like this? Um, well, I just want to make a living, Rob. And, and um, I, 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 in my wildest dreams, it should take off. But in my normal, everyday living with my beautiful family, I just... Like every other person, my concern is to be able to support them. Mm-hmm. And anything after that, I, I've normally given it away. So I don't see that that's going to change much to my wife's chagrin. But um, my plan is just to make uh, a living, and, and I, I hope I'm able to do so through that and through films that I make and television shows that I'm producing. Uh, are you going to be turning your book into a TV show? Uh, I'm uh, into a film and a documentary. I've um, just finished the uh, script with a young man named Kaylee Wilson, uh, who did the bulk of the writing, but I wrote it with him. And uh, we hope to shoot a film, a feature film, next year. I'm getting interest from uh, people in Los Angeles now, and and, um, who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of months as the book starts to make a lot of noise. I think that we'll get ourselves into a position where that script will get taken seriously and, and we'll make a movie next year. What was your motivation, Brian, in getting out of the uh, drug business? I had a heart attack from a Coke overdose. Ooh. And um, at this point, I wasn't selling drugs anymore. I'd been It had been a year since I'd been in the business, per se. But I had a lot of money and not enough brains and, and a big habit. And in that, uh, I... I knocked myself out on the floor and while I was out I recollect this I heard a voice say to me and it was probably myself speaking to myself but I I heard do you want to live and my answer to that was yes I did and the voice said if you want to live 
you have to change everything about your life. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And I came too. And uh, from that point forward, Rob, my whole focus was getting and staying sober. I was presented with a huge number of challenges from that day on, um, the first thing being my wife leaving me, taking the kids, telling me not to come home, and yet somehow I managed to stay sober. And regardless what was going on, regardless what was falling apart, regardless of the cops knocking on the door and threatening me with 30 to life, I wanted to stay sober more than anything else. And so I was blessed with that, buddy. That was a gift from, from the universe to me, was that desire to stay sober. Somehow I managed to do so. And, uh, you know, my life just keeps getting better and better and better. The only problem in my life today is me. <laughs> of course, that's probably been the way most of my life. You know, you know, you've done so much over your life. Uh, you know, you, you've uh, done a concert in Jamaica. You've had hair products dinosaur bones yeah yeah why 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 you know like how did you get into all these different uh, entrepreneurial uh, endeavors just i was just just trying to make a living i guess and 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 i'm a i'm a person who had difficulty working for other people mm-hmm. and so when you have difficulty working for other people and you don't have any particular talent per se but you're fairly bright, if I may say so, then I, one looks for things to do. And ideas come to, to me. Mm-hmm. For example, I, I met a guy who came from Utah one day. Let's talk about the dinosaur bone. That's an odd business. I met a guy who came from Utah one day when I was in California. And he had the most beautiful, agatized dinosaur bone that he had made into jewelry that was just spectacular so i my friend and i were thinking and he had a lot of raw bone and he said this is all over the ground out in colorado and and in uh, utah and in the morrison formation of the colorado plateau is actually where most of it was and you could just walk around and pick up dinosaur bone everywhere so my buddy and i were talking one day and i said you know what this is the this is the pet rock of the 80s we could take little chunks of this dinosaur bone embedded in a piece of lucite that looks like a pyramid and sell it through National Geographic as real, authentic dinosaur bone provided for everybody. And people give a donation of 25 or $50 to the National Geographic Society, and they would get this. And so we were working this out with National Geo. I had 30 tons of it that I'd gathered up up in my driveway. 30 tons? 30 tons, yeah. I, I, you know, 75 <laughs> tons of pot, 30 tons of dinosaur bone. I'm a guy who goes in for tonnage. <laughs> so uh, in the midst of this uh, 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 thing, I needed money to do this. I needed $200,000 to to develop the moles, to produce a bunch of them, and to make them available for National Geo. So I went to some friends of mine who were pot dealers. And while talking to them about that, an opportunity for that one last pot deal came up. And I couldn't resist it, Rob. I went for it and put the dinosaur bones down. They're still in my driveway in California. And um, I went off and did this 75 tons of pot that we 
pulled off, but, you know, eventually got indicted for it a couple of years later. I understand, Brian, that you brought in the two largest pot shipments into the United States in history. So they say. Um, certainly, uh, you know, that they know about anyway. <laughs> Tell me, uh, speaking about uh, the, the uh, you know, the, uh, the drug situation now, as someone who was in the indus- into the importing of drugs, how do you how do you see the problems between the United States and Mexico being solved? Legalizing drugs. Drugs are the currency of illicit gang activities. Drugs, uh, drugs, uh, drugs are their money. Drugs are their currency. Drugs are traded for guns. All the guns that are being shot in Mexico and Canada come from the United States, I'm sorry to say. And these gangs operate only because they have currency, and that currency is drugs. Listen, Rob, I've never met, and I work with, I, I work with people who want to be sober every day. As a matter of fact, before this show tonight, I spent three hours outside a guy's house who was in there smoking crack and wouldn't let me in. I kept texting him, Open the door. I'm freezing out here. Let me in. And he kept texting me back, please go. Please leave. Don't. Go away. And I stayed there for three hours until I got that guy to come out. Now, that's what I do. This guy is a television producer. This guy has everything going for him. He doesn't want to do this, but he can't help himself. Why? Because he's sick. We've got to stop treating these sick people like they're criminals. These people need help. They need medical help. And so our problem is we are treating sick individuals with the hammer of law enforcement. Of course it's not going to change anything. I've never met anybody who didn't do drugs because they were illegal. So to think that if we legalize heroin and cocaine today, that the floodgates are going to open and everybody's going to rush in and do it, it's absolutely absurd. There's a drug that is legal today called methadone. Methadone is distributed to heroin addicts to help them lose the craving for heroin. But they have a craving for methadone that is beyond the craving for heroin by a factor of 10. It is the hardest drug in the world to kick. It is drug that is distributed by doctors to heroin addicts for profit. Okay? So... You know, when I, when I hear these sanctimonious, alcohol-swilling, tobacco-smoking people telling me to put people in prison who use and sell drugs, I'm astounded at the hypocrisy and, and the inability of people to think beyond their noses when it comes to this subject. It's, Rob, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing expecting different results. We have been doing the same thing in the drug enforcement world for far too long, expecting something different to happen. Why does it stay the same? I'll tell you why. Because the corrections lobby is the largest single lobby on K Street in Washington. There's a huge, they have a huge stake in things staying the way that they are. There's a lot of money to be made. There's private prisons. Yeah. Look, you want to find $300 billion to put back in the economy this year? I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it in very short order. 
do it when we come back from this commercial break, Brian. I will. Brian O'Day is our very special guest. The name of Brian's book is Hi, Confessions of a Pot Smuggler. And uh, his website is www.brianoday.com, B-R-I-A-N-O-D-E-A dot com. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with Brian O'Day as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on Talkstar. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to take this opportunity of thanking all our guests tonight. Doug Elwell and I discussed Ireland in Mysterious Worlds. Colleen Dietzman and um, Paul Bowersock uh, joined me to talk about their new book entitled Sing in the Dark, Claim Your Own Shamanic Power Now and in the Coming Age. Hour number three, we had Douglas James Cottrell, Canada's very own Edgar Casey, And this hour, Brian O'Day. And uh, Brian is the author of Hi, Confessions of a Pot Smuggler. Brian's website is www.brianoday.com. Uh, Brian, first of all, congratulations on a great book. I love what you're doing, my friend. Um, it's always a great pleasure having you on the show. Uh, but we've got to finish this little story that we had the cliffhanger before we went to the break. Yeah, so $300 billion. Where can you find it? I'll tell you where. Uh, in the tobacco world, mm-hmm. we lose $100 billion a year in productivity loss due to health issues with tobacco. That's a huge loss. Um, also, the health costs of tobacco are another $120 billion. Wow. So there's $220 billion if we can just eliminate tobacco from the world uh, in the United States alone. Now, you add into that another $73 billion that is spent on law enforcement on drugs alone. Mm-hmm. And when you legalize drugs and you have all of a sudden got your hands on $300 billion that you're frittering away. Now, we could then turn around and take a very small portion of that money and direct it towards education and rehabilitation, medical rehabilitation, psychological rehabilitation of those who are having drug difficulty. And I'm telling you, it would be a different world a world where gangs don't control the neighborhoods near where I live. A world where gangs don't control the borders uh, in our countries, in Mexico, in the United States, in Canada. A gang where uh, a world where gangs are, are their currency has been stripped from them. That's the world I want to live in, Rob. It's because of people like you, your book, your experience, and the warnings that you're giving the public, Brian, that I'm sure one day that is the world that we will all live in. I hope so. Thank you. From your mouth to God's ear. Brian, uh, your book comes out in May. I'd love to have you back on in the middle of May so we can do an update. And if there's anything we can do for you here, my friend, just give me a call. 
Thank you so much, Rob. It's always great being with you, buddy. I, I, I love you. You're a wonderful guy, and your perseverance, and it, it's just so great to see you doing it and doing well. Well, I've had people like you teach me how. Yeah, right. Thanks, Rob. Take care, Brian. Brian O'Day, com. I had the great pleasure of working with Brian. He was the executive producer for the Creepy Canada series. That is still on Discovery, OLN, and channels around the world. So he started it all. He was uh, Creepy Canada was before all the other paranormal shows, and it was Brian's uh, vision. That's it for tonight, everyone. I'd like to take this opportunity of also thanking my producer at Master Control, Melanie. Thanks, Mel, for keeping us up on those four big satellites in the sky, Galaxy 4R, Telstar 7, Aglia 2, and on G3, and, of course, on TalkStarRadio.com, streaming audio. To my wife and senior producer, the lovely Laura Rogers, thank you, sweetheart. To my daughter, Stephanie, our segment producer, thanks, Steffi. And to Rob in Scarborough, thanks, partner, for keeping everybody in hand and in tow and in check at exontv.com. I'll be back tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. And, and as I always say, take care of each other. And until tomorrow night, always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light.